It is Correct Opinions on Wrestling. I'm George. I'm Melissa. And tonight we're going to talk about a lot of things, um, but mostly we're going to be reviewing AEW Dynamite from the 28th of April. Mm-hmm. But before that, the big story. Mm-hmm. You want me to say it? Yeah. On May 12th, the IWGP United States Championship mm-hmm. will be defended on Dynamite. The current champ, Moxley, will be facing Yuji Nagata. And holy shit, is that not the forbidden door opening? They're really doing something behind the scenes with this because... This isn't just any, you know, I mean, Kenta was great, but this is like a legend Mm -hmm. coming overseas to be on American AEW television. So inform the people of the accolades of Yuji Nagata. Well, he's a two-time IWGP heavyweight champion. Um, He's a world heavyweight champion and a GHC heavyweight champion. He's a four-time world champion in major pro wrestling promotions in Japan. And he's considered one of the greatest Japanese wrestlers in history. Mm-hmm. His IWGP heavyweight reign was the fifth longest in history for 392 days. And he held the record for the most successful defenses at 10 until Tanahashi beat the record at Wrestle Kingdom 6. Was it 6? It was 6. What are you, what are you reading that off of? Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, we don't just know this. We're, we're looking this up. We're informing you and we're learning. And uh, yeah, so this is a big fucking deal. He's also the only professional wrestler to have won Japanese professional wrestling's three biggest singles tournaments. The G1 Climax, the Champion Carnival... And the Global League. Yeah. Like, I just hope that AEW makes a big enough deal about this. I feel like they should be running commercials. Like, this is such a massive big deal. This means more than the Impact shit. I'll say that much. Yeah, I know. Like, we freaked out about that. Like, Kenta coming and stuff. But, like, for the belt to be defended on Dynamite against a New Japan legend... Like, this is a big fucking deal. And also, speaking of big fucking deals, Kenny now has three belts. And I don't feel like this is being made a big enough deal about. It's really odd. I mean, to be be absolutely fair, Impact as a promotion is a dud. They only get... I don't agree with that. They only get like 150,000 viewers a week. That's abysmal. Uh, um, so I have a whole rant about ratings. I'll do one day. I said that before. Maybe but, uh, there are good wrestlers, but like as a as a going concern, like as a promotion, they're not big time. Fine, but yeah, I mean Kenny with the Impact belt and the Triple A belt. Like I just feel like this is such a a momentous thing in wrestling. I just don't think it's getting the hype it deserves. It's not. It really isn't. So, AEW, I know you're listening. Tony Khan, I know you're listening. I need this to be a bigger deal. I feel like, you know how, like, 
any time fucking Inner Circle does anything, they get, like, this big segment on the show. How has there not been, like, a massive Kenny celebration segment? Like, there should be fucking fireworks. Balloons. Fucking cake. Holograms. Like, how how have you not had a fucking elite celebration? It should be ridiculous. It should be so over the goddamn top, it makes you roll your eyes to the back of your head. I mean, am I wrong? No, you're not. Anytime Inner Circle does anything, they have, like, this big fucking segment. Ken, how is Kenny not getting, not had a big fucking segment for this? You know, when you say that, I really have to think, like, Kenny Omega's reign has really been almost subtle it has like he's never front and present on the show Mm -mm. even when he comes out for matches like when he had max matches with moxley moxley was the last one to come out and he comes out through the crowd he seems like the champ well he is the champ champ but (laughs) i just feel like aew needs to do a better job saying here's our champ and he's a big fucking deal hey everybody he's a big fucking deal let's celebrate I mean, he's got three belts. Yeah, and he's probably going to get more. I mean, get fucking Billy Corgan on the line. Get the NWA title on him. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know at I least that imagine- has history. Yeah. I have to imagine that it's hard to get all these promotions to agree to this. But it's working. Because, I-, I mean, I am surprised that they had Rich Swan lose clean. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't exactly make Impact look great. Well... So it's, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the behind the scenes are, but that has nothing to do with the fact that AEW isn't celebrating Kenny enough. Not at all. Not he at needs all. some big obnoxious segment with fucking Callus and fucking cleaner girls and fireworks and a fucking parade. It needs to be, it needs to be advertised as the biggest celebration in wrestling history. For real. And I mean... I guess that's all I had to say about that. And then John Moxley needs to come out during it and break his fucking spine. I know this needs to be, this could be like the most hilarious segment ever. Like an end segment to the show. Like people would tune in for that for sure. But yeah, that's all I have to say about that. You want to get into dynamite or do you have any other wrestling shit you want to cover? We didn't do our wrestle rant this week, and we didn't do Dynamite last week because uh, I was having some health issues. Yeah. So I'm a little behind on wrestling right now. Like I didn't get to watch Elevation or Dark, so I'm a little fucking behind. I do have an excuse, but it's okay. You almost just had to have emergency surgery. Well, I don't give away my fucking health information on the podcast. Are you afraid they're gonna scam you? Scammers are gonna find you through your ailment. Scam scam me for what? How? No, it's just nobody cares anyway. So let's just get to the show. Are you gonna hit? What do you mean nobody cares? What do you think people want to hear about my fucking ailments? Absolutely. It's like no, they don't. It's like you're part of their extended family. No, we're not. I don't think we're ever gonna become anyone's extended family because we're not a reliable podcast. What's more family-like than not being reliable? I don't know what kind <laughs> I of I don't know what kind of fucking families you people grew up in, but to me that that's just a, a feature, not a bug. I know, but people are like really into like podcasts being on time and like well, you know what? reliable, and I you're just never gonna get that from this podcast. Not unless you start throwing us a few bucks. 
this was a job, maybe I'd fucking make sure, but... Hell, I'm not even consistently on time for my actual job. (laughs) Fuck. So if you're one of those podcast people who, like, is weird about that, yeah, this is is not going to be your favorite podcast for sure. But if hey, you, you and just... I will both be surprised when it goes up. <laughs> For real. All right. We should probably get into Dynamite. All right. So we start off with... Uh... Hangman versus Brian Cage. And Hangman is a number one contender. Uh, we got Taz on commentary. And as soon as Hangman comes out, he's jumped by Team Taz. How unsporting. And Dark Order come out and help him out. But like... He gets beat up. He gets power bombed on the stage before the bell even rings. And this match for me was extremely entertaining because Brian Cage just beat the hell out of Hangman for 10 straight minutes. Honestly, yeah. I mean, there are some scary spots. Like, every kick looked like it landed. He was thrown into the railing multiple times. Like I mean, he just got the shit beat out of him, let's be honest. He did. What are you... I'm looking at the rankings, because I'm a little confused at how... So, Hangman was one, and was it Orange Cassidy two? Yeah, and, you know, by this, I would think he would still be one, because he's 8-0, Orange Cassidy is 6-0, and Cage isn't even in the top five. What about it? So, he's not the number one contender, just because he won, right? No. Okay. Who said he was? I don't know. I just thought it was a little little confusing. Oh. But maybe maybe my brain just too small. Too small and too smooth, like a marble. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, and I think this was great because I feel like finally Brian Cage is booked in a way I think he should be booked. He seemed like a monster. He did. It was. He just beat the hell out of Hangman. And also... So, Brian Cage wins, which I found surprising, but finally someone on Team Taz gets a good win. Yeah, they're kind of a joke stable before this. He uh, hits this pile driver on fucking Hangman. and Oof. I mean, I'm not a trained wrestler, so I, I don't know when things are botches, and I don't know who did what or whatever. This pile driver did not look right. It I'll say that. It nasty. Like, Hangman was, like, kind of leaning back strange. I don't know what the hell happened. It was a nasty. It, like, kind of made me sick when they replayed it. Looked weird. But, great match. Great way to start the show. Definitely. Yeah, that that really, um, I mean, we had to watch it on the replay because we came in a little late. But, um, that really was Unnecessary information, but all right. That people have the right to know. Our, our family has a right to know. Yeah. Um... God, I'm done. I don't know. Okay, thanks for the input. <laughs> that was a great match. That's my hot take. So, Brian Cage gets the win on Hangman. Then we get to a promo from the Elite in their reporting out of a limo. We have the Young Bucks sitting there in their fur and leather. We have fucking Gallows and Anderson. Anderson has no fucking pants on. I don't know why. Gallows is a fucking icon. I don't know what to say. With He's his a fucking, mutant. His fucking hat and his sunglasses and his dangly earring. He's a fucking icon. Starts to give his bicep a fucking tongue bath. Yeah, he's just... No one's living their best life more 
than fucking Doc Gallows. So, and then also in the back we got Kenny, of course, and Don Callis, and they do a promo. Like, you know, the heel promo of, like, you know, fuck everybody. Yeah. I, I can't remember specifics of it, but basically, like, no matter where they go, the gold follows, and they're not going to be intimidated by Moxley and Kingston. And then Nakazawa hits the horn by mistake. Because Nakazawa is in the chauffeur seat. Right. He hits the horn, scares them, because I think Moxley's coming. But, yeah, they said, uh... If Kingston wants a match, they're not gonna. He's not gonna get Kenny. He's gonna get one of his goons. So he's tonight. He's gonna have to fight Nakazawa. Nakazawa and Cutler are like the elite putty patrol. They are. Um, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like they're trying to put Kenny into like the role of an older school kind of heel here. Oh my god! Now that you say it. You're right. And that doesn't work for Kenny Omega. Like, when I hear, oh, wherever we go, the gold follows. Wherever we go, the money follows. It's like, okay, so you got that. You're in a limo. You're in a nice suit. What are you, Ric Flair? Oh, my God. You're You're not Ric Flair. You're the fucking cleaner. I was just thinking in my head, because, like, Kenny is such, like, a weird, interesting guy who does his own thing. And I feel like I wish he brought that to his character. Like... Let Kenny be, like, weird weeb Kenny. And, like, I don't know why they're pushing this Ric Flair thing. Like, why does he have to be Ric Flair? And why do the Young Bucks and Gallows and Anderson have to be DX? Like... I've, I just have to say, I've had a little too much of the Young Bucks trying to be DX. With the fucking leather berets and the... Oh, I mean, it's, come on. it's funny, though. I it's, just wish they, would, like, did their own thing. It just really makes me want to see them get their asses kicked. Well, then they're doing the job, then, I, aren't they? I feel like that works better for the Young Bucks than whatever this, you know, Wish.com Ric Flair stuff is that Kenny's doing. I mean, Kenny is the fucking greatest, and I just want him to, like, do his own personality. Because, I mean, I don't know. It just feels... I guess it's just a lot of bitching. Because, like, I don't think this is bad or anything. I just feel like the whole heel thing feels just a little forced for everyone. It does. Because they're not, they're not like, leaning into their own personalities. Yeah, like, take the worst parts of your own personality and fucking make that, like, what MJF does. Yeah, exactly. Right, he knows he's a spoiled little bitch, so that's his fucking heel persona. Right. See, something like this would be more appropriate for MJF. Yeah, they they have that. Like, he makes sense as that kind of Ric Flair-ish yeah. type heel. He's a rich piece of shit, and you want to see him get his head kicked in. Yeah, I just feel like I wish... You know, it'd be a funny heel persona for Kenny if he was, like, pretentious. Yes, because I feel like that might be, like, a nasty side of his actual personality. Oh, yeah. So I feel like it'd be funny if, like, he leaned into that. But, yeah, it does, like, now that you say it, it does feel like he's pulling a Ric Flair promo like from every, the 80s. Yeah, like, everything there felt like something you'd see on, I don't know, WCW TV in the early, early 90s, late 80s. God, I feel like such an asshole, though, because it's not bad. Like It's I, not bad. I feel like I'm, I'm nitpicking, and I'm only nitpicking because I feel like these people are great and I want them to like do them. Right. I just feel like Kenny's whole reign here has just been 
kind of lacking and it's not lacking because Kenny isn't great. It's lacking because some of these creative decisions are just bewildering. Are you bewildered? I am bewildered. That's a strange. Like you need to calm down then. <laughs> All right. Well, that was two for that. You only get one more for the rest of the show. What? Yeah. So I almost used my third one right there. All right. So I mean, it was a good promo. It was a good promo. I just want to see them. Like I feel like when I look at fucking Gallows and Anderson, I feel like they're being them. Yes. You see what they're doing? They're fucking monsters, and they're leaning into it. I just, I just want Kenny Omega to get real weird with it. Get fucking weird with it, dude. Like, like he did with that whole intro he used to do, and the cleaner girls, and this ridiculous bullshit. You know what? Unless he's fucking enjoying this, if he's enjoying it, fine. Yeah. Well, it's not about him. It's about the viewer at home. Oh, I don't know. I feel like with wrestling, people are gonna bitch no matter what you do. So you might as well fucking do what you want and enjoy yourself. I just get the, you know, and we've talked about this before, but I just get the feeling that for whatever reason, um, Kenny's really dumbing down, not dumbing down, but he's really, he's really taking it down about 30 to 40%. Is this Callus's influence? It wouldn't surprise me. I don't know. Any hoozle. It was good though. It was good. Ignore all the bitching. It was good. Um, so then we get into our second match, which is the Seidel brothers versus the Young Bucks. We got Callus on commentary. I want to ask you something before we really get deep into this match. Hmm. I don't get the whole beat the champ to get a shot at the champ thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't understand that. Like, I know, like, that's not it. That's like a thing that happens in professional wrestling. Like, but I've seen it here i've seen it on wwe a lot because someone explained the concept of beating the champ to get a shot at the champ it doesn't make a lot of sense like from a story perspective as a narrative it's odd and also if you're pretending this is like real like if you want to do like a real vibe a real sports vibe you would never see this in like ufc yeah we do see someone fight the champ in ufc to get a shot at the belt it's like good job buddy now you gotta do it again I feel like if you beat the champs, you beat the champs. That's it. I mean, that's how I feel about it. But what the fuck do I know? Nothing. So, <laughs> the Young Bucks come out. And they got their, they got new gear on this week. They got a uh, leather, black leather jackets with like fur trim and stuff. Continuing to channel uh, Attitude Era DX and their mannerisms. And I feel like the side dowels looked good in this match. I feel like they're starting to be taken seriously a little bit. Because I feel like uh, they've been riding the fucking dark train for a while. But I feel like they're looking like actual contenders. So good for them. Because I feel like they're really good in the ring. Well, then They just need like, some character work, I think. Yeah, I mean, as it, as it stands, I mean, you're right. They are good in the ring. As it stands, though, like I just feel like, you know, what are they going to do? They're going to start a trios with, uh, with Nemeth because they're pretty much Dolph Ziggler. No. I mean, honestly. Yeah. I mean, the first time I ever saw fucking Matt Seidel, I thought, he's a lot like Dolph Ziggler. Like, Every, his presentation. Yeah, everything from, like, the gear to the music. I, I mean, it's <laughs> just, they, they need to break out of that. But, um, good do match. They? Yeah, I think you so. You like to tell people what they need to do, don't you? Of course. I'm a man with a podcast. <laughs> if I'm not fucking doing that, what is it all for? <laughs> Isn't that why people start podcasts? Yes. So they can... 
scream into the void and pretend they're telling people what to do. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I also want to say, as heels, I feel like Nick Jackson is pulling off the heel thing a little bit better. Yeah. Like Matt. He just looks like a nasty boy, you know? Who, Nick? Yeah. What do you mean he looks like a nasty know, boy? Just his face. He looks like a nasty fucking face. Like, Nick does a thing where he, like, talks into the camera and mocks him, which is, I think, is really good. I feel like that's good work. Matt kind of reminds me of, like, a villain in a kid's show. Oh, my God. It's, like, so over the top. Which, I mean, I'm not going to say that doesn't work in professional wrestling. Oh, it absolutely does. I I just like uh, Nick's heel character a little bit better. But, uh... Yeah, it's a great match. The Young Bucks hit a BTE trigger for the win. Cutler comes out in his young boy jacket, gives him the uh, gives him the old cold spray and the uh, the ice the, packs. The ice packs, like this is like he actually is a young boy in New Japan. Yeah, and then who should interrupt? But SCU. You got Christopher Daniels. We got Kazarian, and I've been waiting for them to do something with the story. So the story with SCU has been that. If they lose again, they're going to break up as a tag team. And they've just been going through wins on Dark and Elevation. Right. Just racking up wins. And I've been, like, been waiting for this story to to go somewhere. This was a good promo. It was really good. Christopher, like, Zarian was good. And then when Christopher Daniels got on the mic, he said that they were, the Young Bucks were entitled, overdressed bitches. Ooh. And he said the thing. Yeah, and he's sad that like he was waiting to have this match with his friends, but he doesn't know who they are anymore. And they'll have their match as soon as the Young Bucks find their balls and sign the dotted line. God damn. And they're gonna make the company better place when they get those assholes out of it. Christopher yeah. Daniels, what are you doing, bud? I mean, SCU has a good shtick when they come out. You know, they, they get the crowd hyped. But this is, you know, I'm not used to, like, you know, great, serious promo work from SCU. That's what? fantastic. I don't feel like they get what? a chance to do it. They do it on fucking Dark. Okay, well, then I'd have to watch Dark. Chris Kazarian and Daniels are always doing great promos on Dark. Okay. That's why I've been really waiting for the storyline to happen, because they've been killing it. And, uh, I don't know, there's something about Christopher Daniels. I just love that guy. I don't know what it is. I feel like he's amazing in the ring. I love his fucking cringe character when he comes out with the microphone and shit. I fucking love it. I'm excited for whenever or however this happens. So, yeah, this was great. I think this was great. I'm all about it. So then we get another Jade Cargill promo. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, did you know she's that bitch? Which bitch? That bitch. That? That bitch right there. This bitch? That bitch. <laughs> and it's like, this just isn't working for me, and I'm going to tell you why it's not working for me. You can't have a promo like that that ends on, I'm that bitch. Week in and week out, when you can't craft a promo worth a shit around it, it would be like it would be a lot like MJF doing the "I'm better than you" and you know it line, if he just sucked on the mic for like three minutes before then. It's it's just not good. I'm not offended by 
Well, here's the thing. I need to see her, like, out live doing a Pro Bowl. Yeah. I feel like these scripted things backstage, I feel like they've been fine. I don't I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm not offended, but I, I just think she's not good on the mic. And she's got a great look, but I feel like right now that's all she has. I feel like she looks amazing, but... At she's some like point. she seems like just like a beginner wrestler. Yeah. Honestly. Like wrestling and talking. So yeah. I mean, hurry up and do something with her. I don't know. I don't know. Like I mean Because she hardly ever wrestles and when she does, I mean you could tell the way the match is structured that they're like protecting the fact that she can't wrestle. I mean, she's just not there yet. But I feel like the the backstage things, I think, have been fine. Like, on this one, she just talked about how all the managers are trying to get her, but they're not worth her money because they want her yeah. money. I mean... You know, as managers do. And, yeah, I mean... I mean, what, am I going to be mad that, like, fucking... She's a wrestler saying I'm that bitch. No, like that's what wrestlers do, you it's know. It's just I don't believe it. Like I don't believe it because it's just so like everything she says just seems so forced. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm I'm just waiting to see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Alright. I'm well, not bothered by it. I'm just waiting to see where it's headed. Well, I've taken a dump on it, so let's move on. <laughs> so next we get my favorite match, we get Orange Cassidy versus Penta. And I didn't know how badly I needed this match till it happened. This was so fucking entertaining. So Orange comes out, he has Trent with him. And hilariously, Justin Roberts, when he says Trent, he says it like there's a question mark at the end. Trent. And uh, then Penta is out there with Alex Abrahantes. And um, apparently, yeah, we talked about this earlier, but Orange is number two in the rankings. And apparently he's undefeated this year. God damn. Which I hadn't realized. Kenny better watch his ass. Fucking Penta comes out looking like a demon lucha samurai. Yes. He, oh my god, his gear. That just really adds to the whole package. And so we start off the match with a little bit of comedy. We have a gimmick off. We have Orange Cassidy trying to put his hands in his pocket. And uh, Penta doing the Zero Miedo thing. In his face. And, uh... Oh, Penta does that thing where he kind of, like, squats down and slowly takes off his glove. Like he's miming. Yeah, it's so hilarious. And he throws it behind him and Alex catches it. So, Orange mocks him by taking off his sunglasses really slowly. And he throws them behind him to Trent. And Trent doesn't even bother trying to catch them. (laughs) It's just so... It's so good. And it's so... I don't know if you've heard this in a while about wrestling. It's fun. What? Well, remember fun? What's and, fun got to do with professional wrestling? And there's so many, like, funny things at the beginning of the match. Like, Orange goes to do his lazy thumbs up and Penta bites his thumb. That's hilarious. They, uh, I have a note here. They put on a lazy clinic. Well, I've, that's the thing about this match I thought was great. It starts out kind of like with the gimmicks and the funny bits. But then it fucking picks up and it's devastating. Like, there were so many insane spots and counters. Penta does a backbreaker. Orange Cassidy just gets ragdolled into the apron. Yeah, and it's just like, this match has such a good flow to it and a great build. Because it starts out, you know, jokey. And then it's building. And all of a sudden, 
They're doing lucha stuff where people are like fucking... I don't even know how to describe it. Just like the counters and just the playing off each other. It, just, it gets fast and it turns into a fucking beating. At one point, Orange Cassidy does an incredible sequence combining a destroyer right into a beach break. But Penta's shoulder was not down. Yeah, I even I made a note of that because it was such an amazing section of the match. And yeah, it's just it was really great. And then at one point, fucking oh, right after that, I think. Yeah, after that crazy <laughs> sequence by Orange Cassidy. Alex Abrahantes grabs the mic and says he's gonna like talk about Trent's mom or something. I can't remember. Something. Some mom talk. Trent's mom again. And uh, Orange Cassidy pulls him into the ring. The ref gets distracted. Trent gives Orange Cassidy the mic and, like, a copy of what happened to him last week. What happened to Trent. Bonk. Penta gets bonked on the head. Orange gets the win. What this a delight. Match, this match was so much fun. It was great wrestling. It had a great build. It was fun storytelling. This is an A-plus match for me. Honestly, yeah. I loved every second of it. Short to the point um, backstage segment uh, follows with uh, Britt Baker. Reminding everyone she's number one in the rankings now. Did you know she's also a dentist? Oh my god, I don't want to do that bit anymore. <laughs> oh, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so yeah, she's number one. I'm excited to see. I think she's getting a match with Sheeta soon. The 12th. Is it? Did I make that up? Oh, no. She's going to be in action mm. on the 12th. Okay. They're they're probably going to pull the trigger on that at the next pay-per-view. Oh, I hope so. I hope Brent gets it. So then, we go back to the ring. Shivani's in the ring. It's time for the Inner Circle Pinnacle Parlay. So, you want me to paint the picture? Oh, I'll start. Okay. So out first is the pinnacle, flanked by their security. Mm-hmm. And their generic-ass music. Generic as <laughs> fuck. <laughs> and who should come out next but the inner circle? But their security are bikers! I wrote down fake-ass Hell's Angels security. God damn. <laughs> so that was interesting. Um... And then they just go down the line roasting each other. But unlike previous weeks where Jericho did his little yuck-yuck routine. This was serious. He killed it this week. Yeah. Like, this reminded you of, oh, this is why I should give a shit when Jericho's on TV. Yeah. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> hey, I set the stage. So, Shivani's going to do a coin toss to see who gets the advantage in the Blood and Guts match. And, wait, shit, should we go over, like, the rules of a Blood and Guts match? We'll, we'll do that next week for Blood and Guts. It's two okay. cages, timed intervals, and then once everyone's in, yeah. it's sudden death. It's pinfall or submission. So, yeah, so Shivani's about to do the, the toy, toy toss. Toy toss. Coin toss. And Sean Spears interrupts him. And says that they should get the advantage because they were lured into this match. Which I'm not quite sure what that means. Yeah, it's not like you had to accept. But he starts going after Sammy. Asking him when's the last time he even had a match. And saying 
Jericho's taking him into deep water and he's going to step on his head while he's drowning, which was a great promo. It's the best I've ever seen Sean Spears do. I've not seen him, again, on Dark. If you watch Dark, I've seen great Sean Spears promos on there. Um, So Sammy comes back at him, calls him a failure. He's been a failure in this company since he debuted, and he was a failure where he used to work too. God. I think he actually hurt Sean Spears' feelings. It was a I, shoot. I think he saw I saw a tear in his eye. Oh my god. god. One small streaming tear. God damn, that was a burn. Oh. So Sammy says Pinnacle Pinnacle can have the damn advantage. Sammy will be the first in. He'll fight them all. He doesn't care. So the advantage is given to Pinnacle. Sammy does a great promo. This whole thing, I'm not going to keep saying great promo. The, everybody does a great job in this. Everything about this segment was just top notch. Which, honestly, I'm shocked. Because when they announced this last week, I was like, oh uh, god. Yeah. Not more of this. So then next we have like uh, FTR kind of having a little showdown with Santana and Ortiz. And Dax. Dax tells... <laughs> <laughs> Who do you tell, Santana or Ortiz? Dax tells them to get down on your knees, hug your babies, and tell them daddy's not coming back. Yeah, Dax was really creepy. Talking about Santana Ortiz's kids and shit. Well, I don't know if Ortiz has kids. I know Santana has a daughter. But it worked. Like, this really, it was it was great. It was creepy. It was gross. But, it, it, but that's good. That's what you want. I mean, it made me want to see them get their asses kicked next week. Yeah. So, then we have MJF, who oh, decides man. to pull a promo on Jericho. He thanks Jericho. He says there would be no AEW without Jericho. But he can't imagine the pressure on his shoulders. Because every time he comes out here and doesn't deliver... He's taking food out of the mouths of the employees of AEW. Jesus. So he's going to do the humane thing and take Jericho's crown at Blood and Guts. <laughs> and Jericho comes back at him, calls him entitled, calls him spoiled, thinking he just deserves the spot or whatever. And then he proceeds to tell Pinnacle that Inner Circle is a real family. And they've been together. And how long has Pinnacle even known each other? And it's just... And at one point, here's something I didn't know. He says Hager saved him from assassination in Abu Dhabi. You can't just say something like that <laughs> on TV. Why? And not explain it. No, I feel like that's what makes it funny, though. Oh, okay. Unless it's a true story. I don't know. I, I... <laughs> I don't think it's a true story. But, uh... I'm just a fucking mark. The whole thing was great. Jericho was super serious, finally. And, yeah, he just killed his promo. And this was great. Yeah. The end. I'm excited for next week. It was a great segment. Great segment. It was funny that they didn't have Wardlow and, and Hager say anything to each other. They played to their strengths. <laughs> they just kind of stood in the back, fucking glaring at each other. And next, we get the, uh, the best match of the night. What? Eddie versus Nack. Yeah, first we have Nakazawa come out, and then Kingston comes out. Fucking Nakazawa is just sitting in a chair with his little headset on and his khakis. And Eddie says, I'm not doing this sports entertainment crap. Mm -hmm. He calls out Kenny. 
Kenny comes out here and says it doesn't work like that. And as he's talking to Eddie, Nakazawa hits him from behind with, I think, a laptop or something. It was a laptop. Then Eddie gets the back fist. He hits him with the back fist. Yeah, that's what I meant. And uh, Eddie Kingston puts Nakazawa's ankle in the chair. He's going to break it like they did to Eddie. And Kenny says, go ahead. Nakazawa knew what he signed up for. Way to inspire loyalty, Kenny. (laughs) And he goes to send out Cutler. Cutler comes flying out. But not because he's racing out to help Nakazawa. No, Moxley threw him out. Out comes Moxley. He gets Kenny in the ring. He chokes out Kenny. Mm -hmm. So Kenny's lifeless body is in the ring. Eddie Kingston puts his ankle in the chair and tells Callus he's going to break his golden boy's ankle unless he gets what he wants. He holds the triple champ's leg hostage. So Callus says, you can have whatever you want. We'll make it work. Mm-hmm. And uh, Eddie and Mox won a tag team match against Kenny Omega and Nakazawa. And didn't they say they wanted that for next week? That's well, going to be next week. I thought next week... I thought Blood and Guts was like the one match was the whole episode. Well, it's the one that they're going to be having live. They're going to be taping matches beforehand so that there's an actual card. Oh. They're doing it so they're able to set up the cage for the live audience. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. So next week we get that. And that's going to be fantastic. Mm Mm-hmm. Then during the commercial in the... Um, picture in picture, we have Sammy with cards doing an ad for Blood and Guts next week. And then we go to a backstage segment with Shivani. He's standing there with Taz. I don't remember anything Taz says. Taz, <laughs> Taz is about to say something. And Christian Cage comes up. Mm-hmm. And says the problem... Taz's problem with him is that he sees Christian, who retired, come back and is able to do this. And Taz is jealous. So he leeches off all these people in his little squad, and they'd be better off without him. God damn. And here's a part I I thought was shocking. When Christian walks off, Taz is silent. That doesn't happen. Taz is fucking silent. So, yeah. You want to do the next one? Yes, I do. Do you need help? Actually, I do, because I believe I was either cooking dinner or walking the dog during this next match. Ford versus Statlander. Yeah, so Penelope comes out with Kip. Her hair looks really cool. And Chris Statlander comes out with Orange Cassidy, who's like beat up from his match, but he still comes out with her because he's a damn loyal friend. And When are we going to get a romance angle between these two? Oh, God, I wish. I ship them, (laughs) I believe is what the kids say. I think so. I think I used that correctly. Yeah, I want that to be an actual thing. Um, yeah, I really didn't take any notes on the match. It was a good, I, I thought it was a great match. Chris Statlander looked tough as hell. She, she pretty much did most of the offense in this match. She's gotten better, hasn't she? Definitely. And she hits a package pile driver for, I think that she has a name for hers, but I can't remember what it is. Her pile driver finisher. Mm. She hits that for the win and she even to taunt Kip boops her. Oh. Boops Penelope on the nose to taunt Kip. Boop. Chris Statlander looked great. And the whole time I was like nervous because I thought, oh, Miro's going to come out and ruin this match. Miro's going to, because Miro's been looking for Kip. 
So the whole time I was waiting for Miro to come out. Didn't happen here. And start some shit. Yeah, but he didn't. But yeah, great match. So then we get to the death slot match. Well, first I want to say there was a little um, segment package where Ten, who's fighting Darby in the main event for the TNT title, talks about how he wants to bring the TNT belt back to the Dark Order. I like To that. honor Brody Lee. That was a great little segment. So yeah, then we got this. Oh, talk about a fucking cool down. You get the Factory versus the Nightmare Family. And the Nightmare Family's bus rolls up, but it's the Factory in a driver's seat. And what is this, the Lex Luger Express? Yeah, I don't know. It's cringeworthy. What a fucking joke. So, Lee Johnson actually looks pretty good in this match. Oh my god, you didn't even say who's in the match or anything. I'm sorry, I probably didn't because it doesn't fucking matter. Why are matter. you such a bad storyteller? I don't know. You gotta paint a picture. Uh. Okay. So, for the factory, he comes off the bus. We've got QT and Nick Camarado and Aaron Solo. And they have Anthony Agogo with them. And then after that, Dustin, uh, Billy Gunn, and Lee Johnson come out. And yeah, Lee did look good. And Dustin deserves better than this. I think so. I mean, honestly, he should be in the running for like at least the TNT title. You know? I think so. Um, you know, so Lee Johnson really kind of carries this match, in my opinion. Um course when a go-go makes a showing he just does that thing again with the with the punch yeah i'd really like to see if he a go-go can actually wrestle because so far he's the male jade cargill like yeah he just goes out there and he does a punch and that's it so he punches lee and gets pinned by qt it did go-go doesn't get pinned. he punches lee then lee gets pinned by qt right and yeah. And the cowbell, Bill cowbell makes an appearance. Hits uh, was QT hits Dustin with a cowbell after no, the match is over. No, it was Nick Camarado. Okay. Hit Dustin Rhodes with a cowbell. Um, Gun Club makes a little appearance, gets their moves in on QT, and uh, Cody, Cody pops out of the bus. Oh my god, you're such a bad storyteller. Okay, so fucking Billy Gunn's kids come out and attack QT, and a brawl starts between the Factory and the Nightmare family. QT goes to a fucking rollout and escape. He's headed back towards the bus. He opens the door to the bus. Fucking Cody is waiting on his bus. And a couple of things. One, I think we all kind of felt where that was going. Oh, as soon as he started heading towards the bus and the cameraman was following him, I was like, oh, yeah. But two, even if you didn't, I love how they didn't even bother to hide, like, the surprise or something. I know, he's standing. You could clearly <laughs> see that it was Cody hiding out at the bus door. Like, Yeah, the gla- you could see him in the glass of the bus door just standing on. there. <laughs> so... Yeah, and then uh, they start brawling, and the show starts a recap showing you what just happened for the past two minutes. So that they can make their way up to the bus. Yeah, the top of the bus. Yeah. And why do they climb to the top of the bus? You think, oh, someone's going to get thrown off, someone's going to jump off. No, Cody puts QT in a figure four on top of a bus. And that's it. And for some reason, Aubrey Edwards has followed them up. 
in this on a match. It's not a match. <laughs> what are you going to do up there? Like, why do you climb on top of a bus to do a submission hold? I don't. Is that supposed to be a great visual? Because it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It, I don't know much about professional wrestling, though I act like I do on this podcast. But I know if you go on top of something, someone's got to get thrown the fuck off. Yeah. Say I'm not a good storyteller. That's basic storytelling. Yeah. So Cody and QT are fighting next week if you care. I, I don't. <laughs> I, I was enjoying this Cody vacation. Yeah. Just the whole thing is cringeworthy. I, I really don't care about the factory. I sure don't care about the Nightmare family. The people who are good in the Nightmare family deserve better than this. Yeah. Um, and I just don't know what this Tony Soprano shit is with uh, QT Marshall. But um, No. I mean, maybe it's for somebody. But it's not for me. I'm not enjoying that. If this is for you, you need help, my friend. <laughs> All right. So let me get some previews of what's coming up soon. The Kenny Nakazawa versus Mox and Eddie Kingston match. The IWGP US Championship match on May 12th. Britt Baker is going to be in action. And then also there's going to be a four-way tag eliminator match. Okay. I didn't write down who's in it. I didn't either. I think the Jurassic Express is in it. Mm. But yeah, I I love in like an eliminator tournament, so yeah. I'm all about it. I just don't but, like those single, you know, like like we talked about earlier, that thing where you got to beat the champ to get a shot at the champ, and they yeah. try to call it an eliminate a championship eliminator match. You're not fooling anyone, bud. Yeah, who are you talking to? The the the, the, the whoever from Coward Tony, because Coward Tony listens to us. <laughs> Son of a bitch. And then, so we have a backstage segment. Kip is going to say hi to Miro because they haven't seen each other in a while. <laughs> and Kip turns and like is talking to the camera saying, like, I don't know what you're worried about. He so goes into where Miro is. They sit down. They have, you know, a cup of tea. They talk about their differences. That didn't happen at all. Good job. I don't know what you want. Was I supposed to play off that? Yeah. No. So he goes to where Miro is. Miro immediately fucking attacks him. Is beating the hell out of him. Throwing him into the wall and shit. He shuts his arm in the door. And fucking Kip is sitting there screaming. And Miro whispers into his ear. I forgive you. While he has him in like a chokehold. So Miro is a, an abusive boyfriend. <laughs> Miro is Kip's abusive boyfriend. This is a domestic. Like who beats who beats the hell out of someone and then whispers, "I forgive you." This is some crash TV WWE attitude era shit. This is fucking. This is weird. So so that's his new gimmick. He's a he's an abusive boyfriend. This whole thing, like I don't know what this is and why it's not over well i yeah i'm i'm interested i'm morbidly interested to see where they go with this now i feel like i'm glad that it seems like miro i like the idea of miro being like an abusive boyfriend (laughs) more than miro being i play video games yeah no absolutely (laughs) 
I'm sorry, but like playing video games, again, I don't know who needs to hear this, but the fact that you play video games does not constitute a personality. You know, between the alcohol and the and the video games and you're just not letting me have anything here. You can have it. People can enjoy things. You can enjoy things, but that doesn't like make you who you are. But I have so little. Like I play <laughs> I play video games, okay? Well, that that's not like a personality trait. That's not like what what do you do with that? No, kidding aside, it, it really wasn't a good basis for a character. No, it's At terrible. All. So, I like this creepy mirror more. Definitely. And if he's going to start going for belts like he's been saying he is, mm-hmm. like this needed to happen. And it yeah. was effective. It was. All right. So then our main event. We get the main event of the night. Darby Allen with uh, Sting Daddy. Still doing that. Versus 10 and the entire Dark Order ringside for support. This match did a fantastic job of establishing 10 as a threat mm-hmm. and establishing 10 as a powerful boy. Yeah. Um, I think it would have been very easy for Ten to just kind of look like a henchman just because of his look. Mm-hmm. Uh, that didn't happen here. He was really presented as the strong man in the match. Um, it was a good battle of power versus speed. Ten just gets these great power moves through the match. At one point, he does a suplex during a picture-in-picture picture that looked brutal. A mm. suplex. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so so good for him. Two spine busters in a row on Darby Allen. That looked nasty. Um, it's just great. And then you've got Darby with his usual quick moves. He, he jumps off a post, but 10 gets a shoulder block to intercept. And that looked great. Everything about this match just looked great. Um, you know, just, I don't know. What, what do you have to say about it? Well, I didn't take notes because I was eating dinner. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was a great match. And uh, I, I do want the Sting thing to be done, though, where he's, like, just looming around the ring being the protector. Darby doesn't need that. Like, that needs to be, in my opinion, that people need to move on. Darby is just killing it week after week. Like, mm-hmm. at one point, he does he's he does this flip thing over the top of Ten's head. And gets him with a stunner as he lands. Oh, yeah. I and then that. he goes right into an arm bar. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, he gets this big air off of the top of the post onto 5 and 10 ringside. Mm-hmm. And it, it just looked like, what are you doing? Why do you want to die, my boy? Mm. Yeah. Like, what a great TNT champ because... If you have someone who's the TNT champion and they're going to have a match every single week, you need someone who can put on an entertaining fucking match with anybody. And Darby is killing it. After last week, I was like, okay, next week he's probably going to kind of have to, you know, chill out a little bit. Mm -mm. He's not chilling out at all. No. Um, Now, you know, Ethan... What? Ethan Page ran in. Wait, who gets the... Like, Darby wins, obviously, but I don't remember how he won. He, uh... He tears the mask of, um... Of Ten. Gets his eye. Gives him the eye gouge. That's kind of a new thing Darby's doing. Darby's kind of doing, like, some... Heel tactics? A little bit, yeah. He's been doing that. So he does that. 
Um, and that was after the Ethan Page run-in. Oh, was it? I think so. Yeah, that's how I have listed. So, um, I've, I've been wrong before, but let's run with it. So then after the eye attack, Ten goes in with a full Nelson. He tries to get Darby in the full Nelson and just mm. ragdolls the shit out of him. I remember that now, yeah. And Darby is doing just a great job of selling this like he knows that if it gets locked in, he's done. Mm -hmm. So what happens? Darby Allen literally flops him into like just a lucky pin to get the win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, like, pushes off the post and knocks Ten over and gets his shoulders down. So Darby gets a win. So I feel like this is doing a really good job of, like, so you see small Darby Allen. Like, how's Darby Allen going to beat, like, these fucking 230, 250-pound, like, muscle men? He's doing it with speed and intelligence and strategy. And barely. Yeah, and it's awesome. Um, I, I love that when, you know, there are these matches where you think, someone could foreseeably win. Like, you could see how they could have put that on 10. Especially after they did the, the segment yeah, the... talking about honoring Brody Lee. Yeah. Like, I could totally see, like, 10 actually getting the win. See, but... I appreciate that versus, you know, when it was Cody. I was like, oh, Cody's out. Like, he's going to retain. Yeah. Um. So? So, yeah, after that... What do your notes say? Darby, uh... Darby's a good sportsman. He uh, he helps Ten up, raises the Brody Lee armband, mm -hmm. and then it was nice for a while, but here comes Ethan Page, to jump. I can't read my writing. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, fucking Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky come out to be assholes. And fucking Lance Archer comes out for the save again. After jumping Darby and Sting. Yeah. Like, Sting's actually getting his ass beat, which is a little surprising to see. Yeah, Lance Archer comes out for the save again. What the fuck is going on with Lance Archer and Sting? And Jake the Snake, I don't know if you noticed, Jake the Snake is just stumbling out of the gate, like, yeah, after he, Lance. Yeah, he's, like, way behind, just kind of hanging out by the entrance. But yeah, I'm real. I wanted. I want to know what the fuck's going on with Lance Archer and Sting, and I. I would like to see Sting kind of pulled away from Darby because I don't think Darby needs it. Yeah. So maybe have Sting move on to Lance Archer now or something. Hmm. Because Lance Archer looks like he wants a new daddy. <laughs> um. But yeah, that was a show. That was a show. Um. It was a really good show. Yeah. Like honestly, you know, I, I wasn't super excited about this card initially. Mm -hmm. but AEW just has a way of pulling shit out like that when even even when the matches don't seem like a banger on paper. Mm. Um, so yeah, studs and duds. Um, I'm going to say my stud of the night. Uh-huh. Brian Cage. That's the best I've seen Brian Cage. Um, That's the best he's looked. You know, I mean, everybody involved in the inner circle, you know, pinnacle promo looked great. But you want to talk about just like a complete turnaround in six minutes? Yeah. Uh, my studs of the night are fucking orange and penta because I 100% love that match. A plus. It was fun as hell and it was good ass wrestling. Yeah. Duds of the night. 
what the fucking factory nightmare family thing i i do not like it i do not care you do not care for it i don't care for it well that that's my dud of the night too um you know i i don't know as a you know as a death slot filler you know no not even that because they could have put any number of people in that slot like, I, I just don't care about this. If you're going to do this, I feel like this belongs on Dark or Dark Elevation, you know? Yeah. Dynamite, th this just really isn't doing it for me. All right. But I have to say, overall as a show, I thought this was one of the most enjoyable Dynamites I've seen in a while. I agree. I loved it. Everyone who worked on it, good job, because this was a great episode of Dynamite. And to just announce that IWGP US title match out of nowhere <laughs> in the middle of the broadcast. Oh, man, they better make a big deal about that. I wonder if after they announced that, people, like, called people to, like, start watching it and maybe their numbers improved. Like, because when you've got a surprise like that out of nowhere, I mean, maybe you're getting your other friends to tune in. This dynamite was so entertaining and so fun. Like when I see recaps of what's going on on Monday Night Raw, <laughs> like <laughs> if you enjoy that but don't watch this, you're doing yourself a disservice, a very sad disservice. Yeah, I I would give this show an A. Definitely. I I loved I loved the show. This was an A level dynamite, and I'm excited about Blood and Guts next week. Yeah. And I'm excited about the following week just because of that U.S. title match. That's such a big fuck. They better make a big deal about that. That better be the main event. Tony Khan, make a big deal about it. This is a big fucking deal. You need to be screaming about it. Um. So, yeah, that was the show. We'll probably be back Monday to do Wrestle Rant again. Right. Unless, you know, something happens to me. <laughs> but, uh, knock on wood. I literally just knocked on wood. That's <laughs> what that was. Knock on wood, uh... We'll be doing our Wrestle Rant show because I got some things to say. And we'll be doing uh, our Dynamite show next week. The uh, Cinco de Mayo special. Blood and guts. All right, that's it. Bye, uh, everybody. Until next time, oh, I'm George. I'm Melissa. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.